Hello, I'm Eric Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about why first fruits. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. It is the 18th of April, 2022. I want to give a shout out to my son who's turning 20 this week. I love you, Zion. Today we'll be talking about why first fruits. So for many of you um, who may be new to this, there are a lot of feasts that go on during the springtime and then also in the fall. Passover is one of my favorite ones. We actually just celebrated that this past weekend. And the next one uh, that goes actually right into it is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But in between there too is also the Feast of First Fruits, which is really not talked about very often for a couple of reasons. And when I read you um, what I'm going to read you, you'll probably get an idea of why. But before we get into that, I do want to let you know that that it is a special Torah portion, just like it was last week, because we're dealing with um, the Passover week. And the Torah portion for this upcoming week is actually Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 19, to chapter 16, verses 17. And there goes my phone. And then we also have Numbers chapter 28, verses 19. I'm sorry. Yeah, verses 19 to chapter 25, I believe. Um, so it's a long tour portion. In fact, I am going to be honest with you. I haven't read, read it yet. I plan on reading it throughout the week, this particular week instead. So um, the half tour portion is Isaiah chapter 10, verses 32 to chapter 12, verse 6. And the Brit Hadashah is 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Now, if I sound a little bit off today, I apologize. Uh, I actually woke up with a absolutely terrible earache. I haven't had an earache like this since I was a kid. And um, it was not doing very nice things to me. In fact, my husband uh, thought maybe I should do a rerun of a previous podcast. And I honestly was thinking about it and was going to do it. But I was like, no, you know, this is what God's called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. So that being said, bear with me. I'm actually not doing too much of my own speaking. I'm going to be reading once again to my handy handy dandy uh, book that I love to read during the feast, which is a complete guide to celebrating our Messiah and the festivals by Susan Mortimer. I actually tried to listen to my previous podcast from last year about the feast of uh, first fruits and for whatever reason it wasn't playing. So if it's not playing for you either, this is where you're going to get your information. Hopefully you get it from other uh, reliable uh, sources perhaps even the Bible. That would be the most reliable one. And without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into it. Yam Habut Kurim, which is the Feast of First Fruits. It is very important. And yet for whatever reason, for, for a few reasons, especially in the Messianic community, we kind of tend to ignore it, um, which we really shouldn't do. But it, the Feast of First Fruits, on this day, an Omer of Barley is presented as a wave offering before Adonai. An omer is about eight cups, in case you want to know. I know I do. Barley is the first grain to ripen. The stalks are cut from a field near Jerusalem. The grains are removed, put in a bowl, and brought to the temple with thanksgiving. Leviticus gives the original instructions for the Feast of Firstfruits, which is Leviticus 23, verses 9-14. through 14. It says, Adonai said to Moshe, 
speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its barley harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before Adonai, so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath or Shabbat. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to Adonai, a lamb a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to Adonai by fire, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hin of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. And according to Leviticus 23, which I just read to you, the Feast of First Fruits begins the day after the Shabbat during Passover week. There's been much discussion about which Sabbath or Shabbat is meant. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a high Sabbath, or the weekly Shabbat. Figuring out the date of the Feast of First Fruits is important because it dictates when the counting of the Omer begins and therefore when the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, falls, which is the next feast. The Sadducees and the Karaite Jews taught that First Fruits was the day after the first weekly Shabbat, following Passover. This method results in different dates each year, but the day is always a Sunday. And this is why I think most Messianic believers don't necessarily celebrate it. The Pharisees and early rabbis taught that it is the first day after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Hag Hamatzah, which makes the date always the 16th of Nisan, which may fall on any day of the week. Judaism for dummies explains, even though this interpretation is less obvious, it's the one that most Jews have lived by for the past 2000 years. The Karaite method makes more sense for three reasons. First, Yeshua's death, his three days and nights in the tomb, and his resurrection fit better with this method. Second, if the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, had regular dates, God would have given the dates as he did with the other festivals. Instead, he gave a formula for figuring them out. The third and most obvious reason is the biblical instruction for counting the 50 days to Pentecost or Shavuot. Leviticus 23, verse 15 and 16 says, From the day after the Shabbat, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, Feast of first fruits, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the days, the day after the seventh Shabbat, and then present an offering of new grain wheat to the Lord Adonai. To count 50 days and end on the day after the Shabbat, you'd have to start on the day after a weekly Shabbat. If you started on the day after a special Shabbat and counted 50 days, you could end on any day of the week. The Feast of First Fruit is the first of several harvest festivals. There are three first fruit festivals, each one for different types of grains and fruits. This one comes during Passover week. The other two are the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, and Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. Each one of these coincides with one of the three pilgrim festivals, ensuring that the various harvests could be brought to the temple. In Exodus 23, 15 to 26, this is abridged. It says, celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. No one is to appear before me empty-handed, a.k.a. first fruits, falls at this time. Celebrate the Feast of Harvest, Pentecost, Shavuot, with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. 
celebrate the Feast of Ingathering, Tabernacles, or Sukkot, at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Worship Adonai your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. Now, a portion of the first fruit offerings were given to God. The rest was to support the Levites. The Levites were the priestly line who had no fields or other means to earn money. Their job was to work in the temple. Adonai told Aaron in Numbers chapter 18, 12, and 13, I give you, aka Levites, all the finest olive oil and all the finest new wine and grain that the Israelites give Adonai as the first fruits of their harvest. All the land's first fruits that they bring to Adonai will be yours. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. Adonai told the Israelites that he would reward their giving of the first fruits with blessings. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Centuries later, Adonai restated these principles to the exiles who had returned to the land of Israel in Ezekiel 44, 30. The best of all the first fruits and all your special gifts will belong to the priests. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that a blessing may rest on your household. I'm going to kind of go down a rabbit hole right now real quick, and some people are really not going to like it. I'm actually on quite a few different pages on Facebook, uh, Messianic pages, whatever you want to call it, homesteading, uh, portions, whatever, what have you. And this has been brought up before about uh, tithing. And a lot will argue and say, hey, you don't actually have to tithe anymore. If you, you know, we are supposed to give an offering uh, or our money to widows and orphans. I would agree with that. Offerings, widows and orphans. Absolutely. This right here to me tells us if there's a messianic congregation around you that you're going to, guess where your first fruits are supposed to go to? And they're not just talking about food here because yes, in, in context back then, what was it that they made money from? their fields and their barley and their oils and all of those things. What do we do now? Everything that we make money off of, or in order to survive now, we, what we make money, you know, we, we deal in, uh, dollar bills, at least in America we do, we deal in, you know, paper money and, uh, change. And when people say, oh, well, I'm not, you know, we're no longer required to tithe. I'm, my thought is like, hold on a second. Now, if you go to a congregation and you're not tithing, but you're consider yourself a member, you're a part of that body and you're not tithing one, you're stealing from the Lord because all that money is already his in the first place. You've heard me say this before in a podcast, but here's the deal. Those rabbis and those pastors and those congregational leaders, how do you think that they survive? especially if it's their only job. There's a reason that a lot of, even pastors today in the Christian community, they have another job. Why? Because people don't tithe anymore. So they don't give to whatever church or congregation or synagogue that they're going to in in order to further God's kingdom. And people say, well, hold on a second. I don't, you know, I want to know what they're doing with my money. Hold on. It's not your money. First off. Second of off, I also want to throw something else out there. It says, Worship Adonai your God and his blessings will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. And then it also says, um, 
The best of all the first fruits and all of your special gifts will belong to the priests. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that, that a blessing may rest on your household. So you're actually missing out on a blessing because you choose not to tithe. Obviously, this is something that, that is contentious with me. And I'm sure you're saying, well, Erica, obviously you're gonna because your, your husband's a congregational leader. He's only been a congregational leader since June. I have felt this way for many, 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 many years where we were not, I guess, profiting from the tithe. Um, right now, I don't think that we are profiting. Let's be honest. If my husband didn't get a military retirement uh, paycheck every month, which is not very much either, we would be living in a cardboard box underneath a bridge because what we do get um, from our congregation as uh, pay for my husband doing all the things that he does, because it's not just a sermon on Saturday. Trust me all. Like we get phone calls. It's, it's, it's a 24 hour job. Um, there are a lot of things you have to deal with that you don't recognize until you have to do it. It is not um, a job for the, uh, the weak hearted. But anyways, um, that being said, it's not about us profiting off of it. It's about getting the blessing that God has laid out for us when we are obedient to his word. So it's not that we have to do it. It's that we get to do it. It's the same argument we have when we have these conversations with Christians versus the Messianic community. It's not that we have to follow all these laws that are in the entire Bible. It's that we get to. Obviously, I'm not talking about the ones that have to do with the temple because we do not have a temple anymore. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and Yeshua is our Passover lamb. All right, getting back on track. That was just my two cents. I'm done. I'll get off my soapbox now. Now, <clears throat> how were the first fruits celebrated? On this, the first of the harvest festivals, the Sanhedrin sent three men to a designated barley field. A large crowd from nearby villages accompanied them and participated in the event. In unison, the three men asked a series of questions. They asked each question three times and got an affirmative answer each time from the villagers. Has the sun gone down? Yes, the villagers replied. Then the men asked if the barley could be cut. With this sickle? Yes, they said. Into this basket? Yes. Shall I reap? Reap, they urged. Then the men reaped about two-thirds of a bushel of bar barley and took it to the temple courts. The grain was parched over the fire and then ground into fine flour. Oil and frankincense was mixed with part of the flour. This was presented to God as a wave offering, and some of it was burnt on the altar. Only after the ceremony could the Jewish people eat the new grain they had harvested from their fields. So what, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, what in the world is the application for today? What's the spiritual application? It was on the Feast of first fruits that Yeshua rose from the dead. This was the most important day in history, Resurrection Day. Our faith hinges on it because Yeshua died for our sins and then conquered death. We have eternal life. Paul, Shaul, explains it this way. The foundation of our faith is that Hamashiach, Christ, died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. If it is preached that Hamashiach has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Hamashiach has been raised. And if Hamashiach has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Hamashiach are lost. 
But Hamashiach has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Hamashiach all will be made alive. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it to a body as he has determined. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the shofar for the shofar will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed when the perishables, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory where O death is your victory where O death is your sting. That's first Corinthians 15. It was abridged. Is that worth celebrating? You can bet your life it is. There is a prayer that some say before uh, celebrating the first fruits. It goes like this. I apologize if I butcher it. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Alam Asher Hakim et Mushehenu Mibain Hametim Liot Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who raised our Messiah from the dead to be a firstfruits of those who have died. Now you understand why it's kind of important. I also want to read you another little thing. You know, I read it sometimes. The um, email I get from Homeschooling Torah uh, from Ann Elliott. And she, she does a little thing about each tour portion the upcoming week, which I really enjoy. Um, this week's tour portion is called Hag Hamadzot, or Pasach 2. It is a special tour portion read only every few years, when the week of Passover contains two Sabbath days. Hag Hamadzot means Feast of Unleavened Bread. This week we will give you the opportunity to take the whole week to study about unleavened bread in your daily tour time, which is what I gave you the tour portions for. Learning how leaven represents sin is an extremely important lesson, and it is referenced many places in scripture, more than we had time to put in their curriculum. In addition, there are two more things you'll probably want to study with your family this week. The Sunday following Passover is a minor holiday called Feast of First Fruits. While this is not a Sabbath or holy convocation, it is a day rich with meaning pointing to Yeshua, our Messiah. I personally believe that the Feast of First Fruits is one of the most neglected of all the feasts, I would agree. However, this feast represents the resurrection of our Messiah and promises our own resurrection. It only makes sense that our enemy would like to keep this feast hidden and has sought to replace it with Easter, or as I call it, Ishtar. Many Torah observant families are fearful of this feast because it takes place on a Sunday and because Christianity celebrates Easter on this day. However, this is the appointed time of Adonai. He wants to meet with you on this day. Sunday or not, and he has so much hope to give you through this feast. I urge all of us to claim it for our mighty king. And I would absolutely agree with her 100%. I do believe that it is the most neglected feast of all the feasts. For that very reason, uh, we tend to get a little skittish when it comes to Sundays, especially those, those of us who have come out of the church. Um, we don't necessarily want to <laughs> celebrate any, uh, any feast, even if it's minor, on a Sunday. Um, but you know what? 
Adonai made all the days, every single day of the week. So we are to rejoice and be glad in each and every one of them. I hope that this has encouraged you, maybe given you some enlightenment. Honestly, the Feast of First Fruits, there's a lot of numbers there. Math is not my friend and uh, it hurts my brain most of the time. So I hope that you guys uh, understood what it was I was trying to say to you. I realize it's a little bit shorter than I normally go, but I'm going to go ahead and get off and uh, maybe use my neti pot and uh, blow my nose because I'm clearly dealing with some sinus issues. But as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Shashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you all have a great week. Remember to eat that matzah instead of the bread this week because it is still the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I will talk to you again next week when uh, we can eat bread again. Talk to you soon. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica Lacasse, and it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.